Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and today we have another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. Our guest today is Steve Gallegos, and um, what we're going to be discussing today is uh, how to identify and share your superhero story inside each of us. Um, but before we get into that, uh, Steve, do you want to tell everyone about your background and kind of what got you into speaking and a little bit about uh, your career path and your journey to where you are today? Thank you first of all, for hosting the show and for producing such, <coughs> excuse me, great content. I appreciate it. Um, I started out um, much like anybody else, right? I, I, I was afraid of the stage. I didn't know, you know, what public speaking was or anything. And so um, I actually went to law school and I started practicing law. And it was as a lawyer that I learned to connect with who I really was and, and with my voice. And I learned that I could use my voice to transcend any barriers or obstacles that I thought were limiting me because I didn't go to Harvard. I didn't go to Yale. I went to one of the top uh, private schools in California, but you know, it wasn't Harvard or Yale. Um, and so I'm in the courtroom doing trials, competing with these uh, lawyers with these uh, wonderful academic backgrounds that I didn't necessarily have, um, but I use my voice. I learned to use my voice to connect with the humans being the judge and the jury, and I was able to really outdo and outshine many and many of the other lawyers that I went up against from major, major law firms, and I built a successful career that way. And then I was also a singer, entertainer, and recording artist for a number of years. So I used my stage performing skills and my ability to connect with audiences in order to better deliver my message. And then I was just having so much fun with that, that in about 2011, uh, I completely changed my careers to focus more on helping people, to focus more on uh, training others how to communicate better. Because Leonard, as, as you know, through the power of stories, your own story is that communication is one of the central pillars. In fact, I believe it's the most essential skill that any of us can learn to up-level our income, our relationships, our career, anything that we want is based upon uh, your voice and how you say things. And so that's what got me into it. And I've been involved in coaching and training others how to speak on stages uh, for a number of years now. And I absolutely love it. That's awesome. So um, from your career journey, like I could picture you studying for school or studying a lot in school. And while you're doing that, you're kind of in a closed off environment. You're doing a lot of reading, a lot of studying, a lot of memorizing and so forth. And then like moving on to the courtroom where you're in front of a judge, a jury and everyone else. Like that must have been like a shocking change of environment. Um, how did you kind of cope with that? And what kind of got you through uh like going into that new type of situation. I know that's your first um, appearance with like public speaking and so forth. Like that kind of transition is kind of difficult for a lot of people, wouldn't you say? Yes, absolutely. And that's a very good question. 
the transition was, um, like you say, shocking because in school you don't speak. You weren't, um, you know, unless you're in moot court and competition and those kinds of things. That wasn't a program that our school offered. But like I said, I relied on the fact that I had been on numerous stages, international stages before as a singer songwriter. And so I knew what it was like to be in the public eye, right, with everybody looking at you and everybody listening. But speaking is far different from uh, performing. It's far different from uh, singing or reciting a play or being an actor on a stage, especially when uh, lives are at stake, as they are quite often in the courtroom, and you have to persuade a judge or a jury to see things your way. Now the stakes, the stakes are really, really high. But fortunately, I had some some good training, right? Because it wasn't you just graduate from law school and then the next day you're in the courtroom conducting trials. I went through the um, the Los Angeles uh, City Attorney at the time was offering a program where we could go and participate for. Uh, a 30-day training, and then we had to do three months of actual trial work with the city attorney office. And so that's what I did. And so uh, I did really well in the class, um, doing all the training. And then as soon as we graduated, they gave me a case folder and they said, Department 4, that very next day, you've got, a, you've got your, your trial. And I was like, okay, you know, this is what I've trained for. That's really quick on how fast they transitioned from having you go from the program to getting in front of a judge and jury. It's kind of insane. And what you said about like going from singing to actually uh, doing something of uh, importance on stage, like um, it's like sitting around in a karaoke room. Like you're you're natural. You're in your natural environment. <laughs> you're kind of like to- tuned into yourself, and you're more relaxed. But then when it comes to like a public setting where um, what you say matters, it's a lot more difficult to kind of come across in the way that you want to without looking inauthentic. Indeed, indeed. And that's where preparation comes in. Like with anything, if you want to be a superstar singer, you have to prepare. And, and this is just a different preparation. It's, it's, you know, figuring out, focusing in really on what the core message is, who your audience is, what you're trying to get your audience to do. And once you're able to hone in on that, then really everything else just goes away. And, and it's like you're in this, uh, time warp, right? Where it's nothing, exists but you and the person that you're speaking to right there's no extraneous activity going on even though there's other people in the courtroom and there's things going on and lawyers are objecting and those kinds of things you get in this flow and it's kind of magic happens it's really really cool yeah i could definitely see that like when i did my tedx talk like one of the great things that happened is a few of my friends actually showed up to it. So while (laughs) I'm like freaking out in front of the uh, audience, like um, I went to the restroom like 10 times beforehand because I I was like so nervous and I had so much nervous energy. Like, what am I supposed to do? Um, What am I supposed to say? And if you could tell from the very beginning, it's a little quick, then I kind of slow down on the pace of my talking and so forth. But um, what I kind of did to ground myself is I found my friends in the audience and I started acting as if I was speaking directly to them as if I was like at a bar or at a restaurant or something. 
Yeah, very good. And I could tell that you did that. I, I watched your TEDx talk. And I got to tell you, Leonard, it is absolutely riveting. I was nearly brought to tears by your story. But more important, I was captivated just by your authenticity and, and your genuine, very relaxed nature. And I knew that at the time, you weren't a big time professional speaker like you are now, right? You didn't have your radio show. You hadn't been on a lot of interviews and those kinds of things. So you were just starting out, but you were genuine. And I think that is what really, really captivates um, people. And it certainly works in the courtroom too, is the, the judge and the jury need to know that, you know, this is a real human being talking to me and they're not looking down at me. They're not talking down to me. They're speaking at my level. They don't think they're smarter than me. And that was the key to my success is I was able to relate to the individual as a human being, as opposed to just, a, a, you know, another face. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Like, when you think about it, like a lot of people, when they go into the office, when they go in front of an audience or whatever they're doing, they usually put on like their business persona and then they talk in a way that um, is not really natural, but more in the business sense. And um from what i find kind of works is like as if you're like talking to a friend that communication comes across a lot more authentic uh, authentically um because it's as if you're talking to that person directly as exactly to, and yeah. and that's a beautiful distinction that you draw there and you you know we we tend to put on a three-piece suit or a two-piece suit and a tie and we become somebody else right and and Everybody knows that you're just putting on airs because of your your role or you know something like that. The, the you're an executive at a company or a manager, but that's not how you talk to your friends having coffee or a beer. And one of the things that I recommend to my students when they're coaching with me is hold a coffee cup in your hand or hold a glass of water because that kind of mimics the setting of. You know, if you and I are at a bar at a cocktail party together and we're just chatting, sharing stories, sharing information back and forth, if you're holding something like a coffee cup, it, it kind of transcends and, and it transports you to that environment so that you do physically feel a little bit more relaxed than if you've got nothing to do with your arms or with your hands. That's kind of brilliant. I've never heard of that. That's a really awesome tip. Thank you for that. Yeah, it really works. Nice. So um, I know a lot of people out here might be thinking of what to do if they wanted to get on the stage and so forth. I know you've gone through a large journey to kind of get to where you are today. Um, what do you think a lot of people need to do in the beginning if they're uh, toying with the idea of becoming a speaker? Well, that's a very good question, and thanks for asking that, um, because it's it's so important, especially today. People have a lot of things on their minds. They have a lot of things on their chest, and they and they and they, they want a place to to share their stories and to just speak their minds. And I think that much of the problems that we're having in society today is because there's really no place for that to take place for the average person, right? If you're a Tony Robbins. You know, you could hold a press release, you could hold an event, and you can share what you want. If you're a celebrity, you can do the same thing. But for the average person that's been through some stuff and they have some things to share and they know that what they have to share can be valuable to someone else, they really don't have anything 
uh, a platform for that. Fortunately, we've built that platform, but we can talk about that later. But to answer your question, the first thing, Leonard, that they need to do is to focus on what is my message? Even before you decide, do I want to go on stage? What kind of stage? Where do I want to share my message? The first thing is, what is my message? Because focusing in on your message, gaining clarity around that will tell you whether you should go on the news media, whether you should create your own YouTube channel, whether you should create a radio show, a national radio show like you have, um, or, you know, simply stay at home and talk to your friends and family. So it's synthesizing, getting clarity on your message first. What is it that I want to say? The second thing is recognize um, that before you get into the before you get into the second thing, I like what you say about like toning in and figuring out what your message is because there's a lot of people out there who are like, okay, I got a message and I don't feel confident about it or I'm scared of it or I'm embarrassed by the story that I have uh, from my background. And a lot of people are so scared that they think people are going to like judge them, mock them, ridicule them that they ha don't share that compelling story and they just hide from it. Right. They do that, and that's a huge, huge mistake. And the reason that we do that, we get that anxiety, and is because we're we're focused on ourselves. <clears throat> and what I teach my my clients is, you have to focus on the audience. It's like if you were confronting, or you were facing a child, or adult, or another friend that was going through a problem, and you have some real world advice that could help that individual or that could assist that child not be so afraid of the dark or whatever. At that moment in time, you don't think about, well, I have an idea for Leonard. I have a, I have a, a, some suggestions for him, but I'm afraid of what he's going to think. No, you go out and you share the information and you tell Leonard, Leonard, I, you know, I, dude, I'm so sorry you're going through that. I've experienced the same thing too. And, and let me share a little bit of my story so you can see that you're not alone and there's no reason to be afraid, right? Or whatever the situation might be that, that we're trying to resolve. So when we're afraid, Leonard, is because we're completely thinking about ourselves. But if we just stop for a moment and think the person or the audience needs to hear this information and I am the one that has the information they need to hear, you take your eyes off yourself, put it on the audience, and you'll be fabulous. You'll be absolutely fabulous. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that, and that's great advice. Like, there's a lot of times where people are scared that they're the only one in the world who are going through a specific issue, let's say divorce, a medical issue, and so forth. And... Um, they're so embarrassed to even talk about it, but if they make mention of it, a lot of people do end up uh, tuning in and saying, yeah, I've had that same issue too, or my friend had it. And then it kind of makes those situations a lot more relatable to the person who's experiencing it or had experienced it in the past. So then it becomes a little bit more of a comfort feeling too, the more that you kind of go through it because First, it might be fear and it might be overwhelming and you might think that you're going to get judged in your head. But then by sharing whatever the message could be or is, you're able to kind of relate to others as well because they could have also gone through a similar situation as you. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how we connect to each other, 
right? Because I can see you walking down the street and I don't know anything about you. I can see you're driving a nice car, living in a nice home. There's no connection. That doesn't connect us. But when I stop in here, wow, Leonard came here, you know, his, his family migrated to this country. My family migrated to this country. Leonard struggled, um, you know, in school, trying to make friends and, and getting uh, dates with girls. I did that too, right? And, you know, Leonard launched his own company. I tried launching my own company and I failed the three or four times. Leonard did that too. Oh my gosh, Leonard, you and I have so much in common. Dude, let's go have coffee. Let's be friends. Let's do business, whatever the case may be. But it's the stories right? It's what you've been through. It's what I've been through. Those are the things that connect us as human beings. Yeah, definitely. And I think what the world kind of revolves around is stories. Like ever since the beginning of time, there were stories that were being told by the fire and so forth. And nowadays, like if we think about like the most popular uh, things that um, people are most interested in, it's like Netflix, TV, and so forth. And what's that? Just stories all day. Anyways, it's about time for us to hop off to a commercial break. Where can people find you online, Steve? Um, you can find me online at steviegsuccess.com and with a Stevie G Success on Facebook and Instagram as well. Awesome. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you feel stuck, exhausted, or just unsure of how to handle everything at once that life is throwing your way, you'll want to listen to What's Important Now, Making Time for What Matters Most with Eva Medelec. Eva and her guests will help you learn to focus on the most important priorities in your life so you can handle them one at a time instead of being constantly overwhelmed. What's Important Now, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. 
Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here with Steve Gallegos and we've been discussing a lot about Steve's journey into the public speaking world and how he started out as a singer and then moved into law and then eventually moved into doing public speaking and helping other people do it as well. And through that process, we talked about the first thing to do and that's kind of going out there and figuring out what your message is and going out there and crafting it. Um, Steve, uh, what would you say the second thing is to do? Uh, thanks for that question, Leonard. The second thing I think is important to do is after you decide what your message is, decide what you want your message to do, right? It's like if we build an engine, right? You say, oh, I want to build a motor. Okay, we can design the motor and we know how big to build it, how powerful it's going to be. But we need to keep in mind also what we want that motor to do because we can build a motor for a lawnmower or we can build a motor for a rocket that's going to go to Jupiter and beyond, right? So what do we want it to do? And and when it comes to public speaking, there are four, there are only what I like to say, four reasons to open your mouth to speak to speak in public. Number one is to inform. Are you just wanting to inform your audience? And you can take a cue from example, the news. Uh, if you listen to the weather and the weather man or woman comes on board and, and they say, today it's hot and sunny in Denver, Colorado. Okay? Yay. You've been informed. Right? Well, uh-huh. Yeah. The second prong of that is to educate. So open your mouth to inform, also to educate. So if we take the same example of the weather person, we say, today it's hot and sunny in Denver, Colorado, because, right? And so whatever follows because is information that you're relating to your listener that helps them understand why it's hot and sunny in Denver, Colorado. So we've now gone beyond the information phase. We've gone into education. The third reason that we want to open our mouth to speak is to entertain. We want the audience to have a good time. We want them to laugh. We want them to relax. We want them to feel good about themselves or about whatever is going on. Obviously, not a lot of weather uh, newscasters um, entertain us, but sometimes they do if they come on, you know, wearing goofy uh, costumes or sometimes they might crack a joke or tell a pun or something like that. So you can infuse that in your talk as well. The last reason to open your mouth to speak is to persuade, to call to action your audience. You want them to do something. You want them to donate money. You want them to go help feed the homeless. You want them to um, uh, vacate the area because a hurricane is coming, right? So you want to persuade them to do something. Now, your presentation can focus on each of these points, inform, educate, entertain, and persuade, or like many presentations, for example, like yours, Leonard, uh, your TEDx talk, you had all four of those points. You had all four of those keys. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, you did. Awesome. So when you kind of go out there and craft your message with uh, informing, uh, entertaining, educating, and going out there and uh, delivering a message that's persuasive, um, do you have to hit all four or can you just do one, two, or three? Or what, what do you kind of have to look for? Again, this is, depends on what your message is and what your intent of the message. Remember, we're talking about the engine. What do you want the engine to do? So mm -hmm. what do you want your talk to do? Do you want to make people 
move, call them to action? If so, you got to have persuasion in there. Do you want to, is it, is this like a, um, for example, when you hear, um, uh, politicians or the sheriff comes online to say, you know, uh, a terrible hurricane is going to hit Florida here in 24 hours and we need everybody to evacuate. Well, that's not a situation where you want to entertain people, right? So I would eliminate it from that, right? But you certainly want to inform, educate, and persuade them, right? Inform them, this is what's happening. This is why it's happening. Persuade, this is what we need you to do. We need you to pack your car, get your belongings, get your kids and your pets, and get out of the city, Right. So basically, so, you again, take it on a case by case basis, based off the specific scenario you're in and the type of results that you kind of want from the uh, uh, message that you're crafting. Correct. Correct. And in the same talk, you can switch it up depending on your audience. Right. If if you're going to go to deliver your talk to, for example, the college kids or high school kids, there better be some entertainment in there because they, they're, they're tired of hearing just dead facts and information all day long, right, from their own teachers. So they're, they want to be entertained. They want to show us a good time, Mr. Speaker, or we're going to bounce you out on your ears. So it, really getting to know your audience is the third key of preparing your talk or if you're deciding that you want to give a talk, um, decide what you're going to say, what your message is, decide what you want your message to do. And then the third thing I say is um, identify your audience and focus everything around them, not around you. Yes, you're the one delivering the message and you're the expert, but it has to be all about what do they want to hear? What do they need to know? Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, if you're going to go out there and speak to a ton of oil executives, that conversation is going to be a lot different than going and talking to a lot of people who are more motivated by uh, green energy. And it's going to be more variable if you're speaking to like a group of students or if you're speaking to like an audience of like academic professors and so forth. So knowing your Correct. audience kind of really is... Uh, crucial depending on what your uh, specific message is going to be crafted around. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the final thing is just go and speak, right? Find, now you have your message, you have what you want your message to do. Now you've identified what you want your audience to receive from your message, right? To give them what they need. Now you go and find the stage that has that audience. Sometimes it can be a TEDx talk. Sometimes it can be a local chamber of commerce. Sometimes it can be a high school or a middle school or a college, right? There's all kinds of opportunities for you to go um, and give your presentation. But I would say also practice and rehearse. Awesome. So now that you got your kind of message kind of put together, um, you talked a little bit earlier about um, tying in a superhero story and identifying it. Um, so I think what people would want to do is kind of tie that into the message that they're delivering, right? Absolutely. Because you want to make the story relatable, right? You want to, it's, it's one thing just to go with facts, you know, like, hey, the weather's this today, and then it's because we've got this, uh, you know, new surge of wind or something. I, I'm not a meteorologist, as you can tell. So I can't remember exactly what the proper phraseology is for these uh, weather reports, but those individuals are not there to do anything other than what they're doing, which is to inform and educate and 
uh, every now and then persuade you. So they're not trying to build a personal connection with us as the television viewer. They build a personal connection over time, like we have our favorite newscasters, right, that we like to watch simply because we like their style. We like how, you know, they speak and those kinds of things. But for you, as the person who wants to build a speaking career, uh, you want to sell your book, you want to become an author, you want to gain notoriety or recognition for your message, then you've got to bring out the hero in the story. So it's not enough just to go in and tell the story. You've got to make yourself the hero. And there's a specific way to do that so you don't come off as pompous or self-important. And you can see these people when they take the stage and they say, hello, my name is uh, Mike Smith and I went to Harvard Law School and I have this degree and I have that degree and I'm married with four kids and all my kids are at Harvard practicing, uh, studying law, and I was granted the Nobel Peace Prize, and then the President of the United States gave me a medal, and I got another award from this, and I wrote a book, and it completely went New York Times bestseller overnight. No one wants to hear that trash, even though it's heroic. Those are awesome accomplishments, right? I got a Bentley parked outside. All of those are great accomplishments. Good for you, but no one really cares. Because yeah, that's it's true. not her role, right? Yeah, I think what you shared kind of pushes people away more than it kind of draws them in. Um, yes. So I, I think it's kind of like that because um, the way you kind of presented it, it's like, hey, I did all this amazing stuff in my life. And then sitting here on the receiving end of that, it's like, oh, I didn't really do anything quite as similar, I don't know if I feel good about myself, which means I don't know if I feel good about you. I, I think that's how I personally translate it. Um, what, what's your thoughts about it? No, I, you're absolutely right. And that's why people don't react um, as if, if you're the speaker going on stage, presenting, introducing yourself like that. First of all, you should always let someone else inter- introduce you, the host of the, of the program, whoever is hosting the event, they're the ones that should introduce you. The first thing you should do is walk on stage. And what I recommend is do what James Bond does. If you ever, if you watch the last James Bond movie, what's the first thing you saw when you, when the, uh, when the lights went down and the, and the film started to roll? It's uh, you in the action. You, you saw you saw Him James running Bond running away driving. from bullets and, <laughs> and on his motorcycle jumping over, you know, a 60-foot wall and those kind of, You're in the action. Right? And you're like right and in it. You're like in the middle of a scene and you're like, whoa, the movie just started. What's going on right now? And you're trying to figure out and catch up to what's going on in that environment. Exactly. And then we bring them to the backstory. I'll give you. I'll give you a quick example. When I... Um, I'm asked to speak. One of the stories I like to share, just pretend that you don't know anything about my background. And, and this is what I want to do. I say, sir, no, sir. As he inched even closer to my face so that all I could see was his crooked teeth. He was snarling, glaring at me like a wolf about to slaughter a four week old lamb. And he asked mm. me again, are you punks getting freaky in here, Gallegos? Sir, no, sir. And by this time, I was shaking head to toe, fearing what would come next. 
right? That's an intense and situation. That, it sounds like you're in the military scene or something. Exactly. And if, if I continued with my story, you would learn that that was my marine drill instructor in my face um, because at that time I was uh, mentoring three other guys in my platoon that didn't speak Spanish. I mean, the, whose Spanish was their first language like me, but they couldn't speak English. And so I was trying to help them get through the academic portion of Marine boot camp, and we would go into their showers at night, and I would help them study. We would translate the material, we would discuss it, blah, blah, blah. And one of these nights, the drill instructor came in thinking we were doing something that, you know, 17-year-old boys shouldn't be in a shower together at 2 o'clock in the morning, right? What <laughs> could they possibly be doing? So he came in thinking that he was going to catch us with our pants down and doing, you know, stupid stuff, right? And when he found out that, you know, I was actually training these guys and helping them with their studies, you know, he kind of like, oh, all right, cool. So, but that's the story. That's how I start my story, right? And people are like locked in and, and I'm yelling, right? I'm going, sir, no, sir. And they're like, well, wow, what's happening? You know, what's going on here? What's, why is he? And then I bring him into the story. I kind of like it's that. Very, like you, it's very effective. I kind of like that. Like when you think about it, like a lot of great movies that you remember and that come top of mind, they don't kind of start at the beginning when the person's young and then uh, they show the evolutionary journey of uh, how they kind of go through life. Um, I mean, there's a few that do, but most of them start at one scene and they're like, okay, let's take it back. And then you go through and then you figure out what kind of gets them to that point. And then you go and progress beyond that. And I think that kind of like storytelling when I watch movies and TV shows and so forth, I believe that's a lot more captivating than the other types of styles out there. So I can definitely see if that's working on the movie screens and the TV screens, how it could definitely work on the stage as well. Exactly. Because movies and television, they're all about stories, right? Books, they're all about stories. And if you, if you look back at and, and reflect on your favorite movies, Nine times out of ten, they're probably going to start with the action first, and that's the reason that you get drawn into it. But part of the problem is, um, Leonard, is because the way we're trained, the way we're brought up, we're not taught to speak about ourselves, right? We're taught to shut up, be quiet, speak only when you're spoken to, and then when we do speak to you, we only want the answer that we, you know, to the question that we're asking you. So we don't get this chance to grow up how to share about who we are. Think of the time that you went for a job after you graduated, and they say, hey, uh, Steve, thanks for coming in. We've looked over your resume. It's very impressive, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what does Steve do? Steve says, well, as you can see from my resume, I went to school A, graduated from B, went to work at C, and that's where I met D. We got married, had kids, and then I got a job at H, Right. We tend to um, share our lives chronologically and in resume format because that's what school teaches us to do. Yeah. So by the time we get out, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that um, <clears throat> not going out there and communicating things, uh, that's one thing that our overall culture doesn't really do. But I find it a lot more prevalent in like BIPOC communities because like in our um, segment segmented um, audience or uh, households, like we're told, don't go out there, don't speak up, don't say things that are out of line, don't say, don't, don't like stick out like a sore thumb. And you kind of have that 
parental guidance and so and societal guidance kind of just blend in as opposed to um, going out there and becoming a true communicator. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's part of like you said, it's part of the culture. Um, many of us, for example, I'm from a uh, Latino family. You're from an Asian family, Korean, um, mm-hmm. and very strict, right? Very, very, you know, we didn't look our elders in the eye. When our parents spoke to us, we had to look down at the ground or at our feet. We weren't allowed to look at their eye. And here, if you don't look, you know, in an American culture, Western culture, if you look at some, if you don't look at somebody in the eye, they find it disrespectful and they think that you're not listening. They think you're not paying attention. Yeah, definitely. Like I started out my career in sales and like I didn't know how to make eye contact with people because I never really looked people directly in the eye when I was like in school and so forth. So I'm like, but I have to do this. And then it's so hard to kind of get used to it. Like it takes a lot of practice to actually uh, build eye contact when you're kind of going from your personal world and out into the workforce. Exactly. Exactly. So for most of us, it's not our fault, but recognizing that that is a weakness that we have, regardless of how we develop that weakness, we know that there's a better way to do things and we know that we can be trained out of it. We can, awesome. we can work to properly uh, create eye contact, create a, a respectful connection with people without staring at them, without you know, drilling a hole through them with your eyes. Um, but we can be trained to do this. All of these skills, all of these things that we're talking about, Leonard, are skills that anybody can develop. Yeah, I mean, it was really hard for me at first because I'm like, okay, am I supposed to just stare at this person? And it became like awkwardly uncomfortable. But as time went by with a lot of practice, it kind of made it a lot easier. Uh, But it's about time for us to hop off for another commercial break. Where could people find you again, uh, Steve? Thank you. Uh, StevieGSuccess.com and StevieGSuccess also on Facebook and Instagram, which is where I spend most of my time. Awesome. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. And after this commercial break, we'll talk more about how to kind of get into that superhero story. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And get Amplified. 
Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel with a replay on Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, Larry Kim here with Steve Vallegos, and we've been talking a lot about going out there and speaking publicly and how you want to go out there and avoid introducing yourself and making sure someone else does introduce you instead. And if you're in the unfortunate situation where you do have to introduce yourself, you don't want to go out there and talk about all your accolades and all your accomplishments and everything you've done because it's going to be a lot more offsetting to the person on the receiving end. It's not going to help you connect, but it's going to build a disconnect instead. We talked about going out there and being more relatable to share and communicate your story and becoming a better communicator and also uh, maintaining eye contact with people. And we touched base a little bit of going out there and sharing your uh, superhero story. And when I kind of think about that, like a superhero story, like for me, my mind just uh, references back to like Spider-Man. And, you know, he's this kid, (laughs) he's growing up. Uh, One day he has a family tragedy where he loses a parent. And next thing you know, he has inspiration where he wants to go out there and fight crime to kind of make the world a better place. And he goes out there and um, has that fuel within him. And does a remarkable job at it has like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comics made after him has like tons of movies that are made tons of tv shows that are animated for kids and everything and you know he's even got a card collection now where uh i think it's upper decks going out there and making cards and you could get a spider-man that's red or like uh that's red and i think it's like a grand or two grand or three grand just for a card nowadays and (laughs) Once you got that superhero journey kind of tied together, I mean, if you look at like Marvel, DC, like these are multi-billion dollar franchises, but like a lot of us might think, okay, so that's the superhero over there, but me, I'm just a regular person. Like my life isn't anywhere as comparable to Spider-Man who's going out there and fighting crime. So when we kind of take that example of what the superhero is and we kind of tie it into ourselves, how do we build that superhero story within ourselves when we're not like the superheroes that we see on TV or 
Allegedly, we're not. Uh, very good question. The first thing that I want to suggest is that never compare yourself to someone else. Never compare yourself to someone else. We each have a story. We each have our own journey on this planet. So the fact that um, you didn't uh, arrive home and um, find that your parents had divorced and that you were sent to an orphanage and, you know, that you struggled through school and wanted to commit suicide. And, you know, the fact that you don't have that pattern or those facts in your story doesn't mean that your story is any less significant or any less important or any less valuable. I want to make sure that the audience, Leonard, understands that they they matter. You matter. Your story matters. And I want to hear the story that of, of the mountain that you have climbed because that story could become a page in, in somebody else's uh, survival guide, so to speak. But just like Spider-Man, he's got a team of people around him helping him craft his story. And you can have that too. You can have a team of people helping you craft your story. The first thing to remember is that there is no perfect story. Uh, uh, Leonard, you can probably imagine that a lot of your listeners or maybe you yourself, you wanted to write a book, you wanted to say something, but you're, oh, it's not perfect. Oh, it's not right. I can't share it yet. Here's something to take home. Perfection is not the absence of imperfection. Hmm. It is the absence of judgment. Hmm. That's a really Perfection good... Is, thank you. That's, that was my, really my, my own thought. <laughs> Perfection like, is not the absence of imperfection. It is the absence of judgment. So when we remove judgment from the scenario, what we're left with is perfection. Right? And if you really think about it, that judgment is only coming from yourself too. Absolutely. It comes from you first, and then you probably think, oh, you know, my parents are judging it, my sister's judging it, my brother hates it, my friends think I'm stupid, blah, blah, blah. Those are incorrect. Those are incorrect. And then also consider this. There's no such thing as a perfect story. The Spider-Man story that you uh, shared, Leonard, um, Rocky Balboa story, uh, James Bond stories, whatever your favorite story is, has gone through revisions. Every movie, every song, every television show, every book has gone through revisions, multiple revisions. Even after these are released to the public, even after a book is written, there will be revisions. How many times have you seen a movie re-released with a brand new ending? Yeah, the new right? Cinderella is out there and hustling and building her own clothing line. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They'll change the ending because they realize after a while, oh, we need to update this story. We need to update the outcome. Or the audience didn't react to the outcome of the hero's story like we thought. And so we, the writers, the producers, have the privilege of rewriting that story and re-releasing it. And you, my friends, are the writer-producer of your story. That um, big reveal I like right there. Say there, like when we think about like our own personal lives, like life is hard in itself. Like getting into any school is pretty hard unless you go to community college. Um, getting uh, a job is extremely hard. Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes it could take years. Like 
working and learning new things is really hard and difficult. Like um, being in a relationship is hard and difficult. Like there's so many factors that are with a baseline life that are hard and difficult. So if uh, someone's like having difficulty finding the challenges because they didn't uh, grow up in the situation that you've uh, aforementioned, then they still have the opportunity to go out there and relate to others with that hardship too. And it's probably better that they didn't go through all those struggles because if you do, I mean, it doesn't really do much for the uh, psyche, you know? Right, right. Right, exactly. But I will share with you, I agree with you, there's a lot of things that are hard and difficult and challenging um, that we're trying to do out there, especially the things that involve someone else. Like when you're trying to persuade someone to give you a job or to go out on a date with you or to marry you or to give you a loan when you have no credit, etc. Those are hard and challenging and difficult because we make it hard and difficult. And to prove the fact, um, I just saw TEDx talk this morning of uh, a lady when she was 21 years old, she was signing a six-figure contract with a large corporation to teach the executives about leadership. She was 21 years old. That's crazy. And so what I suggest to you that anything you want to do, you listeners out there, anything that you want to do, look to see if someone else has done it. If someone else has done it, the clear message that you should receive is, I can do it too. Because the ground has already been broken. Yeah, I think nowadays it's a lot easier to find things that have been done before. Like I know when I grew up and when you grew up, we didn't have the internet. So looking for things that were done was pretty difficult. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, di- was difficult. So today you just have to search. You know, I want to f- um, launch a company on this. I want to write a book on that. I want to create a movement on this. Just check and see. Has anybody created a movement before? Has anybody written a book on this before? Has anybody sang a song? Whatever it is that you want to do, chances are someone else has already done it somewhere in the past. Maybe they may not have done it as well as you're going to, but that's irrelevant. The fact is that they did it, and therefore you can do it too. And that's how you become the hero, right? Mm. recognizing, once again, there's no perfect story. You're going to revise it. You're going to rewrite and rewrite. And that's your privilege as the author of your story. You get to do that. How to craft it real quickly. You want to create an emotional connection, kind of like I did in the, when I was giving you the example of Sir No Sir. It's an emotional connection because I introduced drama into the scenario just like James Bond does, right? You introduce drama, first thing. And you can, doesn't have to be drama. It can be mystery. It can be intrigue. Um, uh, You can relate pain and struggle, right? And and heartache. Like you did so brilliantly, Leonard, on your TEDx talk when you were talking about writing a letter um, and not knowing whether you should post that letter or not for the world to see, because you knew once you post it on the internet, there's no taking it back. And what were people going to say? What were people going to think? Right? Yeah. But you're creating by sharing that. Yeah. By sharing those details, you're creating an emotional connection with us because 
yeah, I've been there. I've wanted to write a letter to that girl and not knowing how she was going to react, thinking I was going to be rejected. And so I never wrote the letter or if I wrote it, I never delivered it. Right. So create an emotional connection, find something that you've been through, right? That's the event. And then see how that event, you can share that. You can relate it to others using mystery, intrigue, and drama, or even humor, right? You can can make it funny. Comedians do this all the time. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh, It's basically taking like where I was in the situation, what I saw or what I experienced, and then what I did and where I am today. And uh, all of us, if we really think about it, there's some kind of significant moment, whether good or bad, that happened in our life that we could kind of relate to. And it's kind of almost always like top of mind when we think back and reflect and reminisce about the past. And there's always something there that we could always use to start the story with. And that's a great way to go and build out the superhero. Um, Do you have, like for the uncreated people who don't go out there and reminisce, do you have a way for them to like maybe dig up that uh, significant event if it doesn't come top of mind to them? Yeah, if it doesn't come top of mind, the first thing I recommend is that, by the way, I don't believe there's anybody that's uncreative. We all have the beautiful brain that we were born with, and we probably just haven't used it correctly in order to go out there and create. But if you can imagine, if you can sing, if you can dance, if you can draw, if you can color, you know, all of those are creative elements that each of us have to our lives. We, I still draw stick figures, and my wife loves them because it's, it's still creative, right? The gorgeous stick figures. No one else can draw stick figures like I do, but you know, Picasso wouldn't, you know, give me an award. I'm not going to win any kind of awards. So we all have creativity. It's just a matter of, do we exercise that creativity or not? Right? So what I recommend is that you sit down, get in a quiet place and review your life. Review your childhood. Was it happy? Was it sad? Why was it happy? Why was it sad? Right? Pick out those moments. I was sad because my parents divorced. Okay? Start with that. What happened after your parents divorced? I started doing bad in school. Okay? Um, I was, uh, I, I, I was shy. And I started retreating from uh, invitations that my friends at school would give me. Um, there was a girl that liked me or there was a boy that liked me and I ignored them because I was too, um, you know, uh, ashamed that, you know, my parents were getting divorced. Right. So that's drama. That's intrigue. Something. Yeah. There's also happy moments too that you could identify too. Exactly. Exactly. So. I know that everybody that is alive today, if you're beyond the age of three or four, you've been through some stuff. You've been through some challenges. You've been fired. You've been rejected. You've been discriminated against. You've been told no. You've been made to cry. You've been made to feel ashamed. We've all experienced something. Those are the things that you can use to connect to others because if you know that about yourself, If I've been through something, I know that the person that I'm talking to or that I want to speak to has been to something. I need to connect to that, right? And this is why you see all these um, uh, social media uh, influencers. The most successful ones are the ones that show up without makeup. 
without any beautiful lighting, without their beautiful cars and houses, et cetera, et cetera. They just go on there and share their story. They tell their day. They tell their struggles. They tell their fears. They're getting millions and millions of views. Whereas all the other folks where they say, my life is perfect. I live in this beautiful house. I'm married to a supermodel. I drive a Lamborghini. Uh, my kids all have straight teeth. They never needed braces. Blah. No one wants yeah. to hear that. No one wants to like those people. That's definitely right? true. Well, um, Steve, well, I wanted to thank you so much for sharing all these helpful tips for everyone in our audience. Um, where can people find you one last time in case they want more information and uh, to potentially work with you? Thank you. Well, the first place they can go is to Leonard Kim. Go to this radio show and thank Leonard for producing it and for having great people on and say, Leonard, you know Steve Gallegos. How can I get a hold of him? So so that's number one. Um, and if you can't get a hold of Leonard, then you can find me at steviegsuccess.com or at steviegsuccess on Facebook or on Instagram, which is where I spend my time. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Stevie, for sharing all this information with our wonderful guests. And thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.